from 10 11 now. Just a three man rush. And Martinez loses the football. What's the ruling? It's Gopher Ball. And the 10 11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Podcast. Two and five. That's Nebraska's record with one game left in the 2020 season. With Dan Corey and Brett Baker, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening to the End Report Podcast. Gentlemen, Nebraska lost to Minnesota over the weekend. Up next is a game on Champions Weekend. Except Nebraska's game won't be for any sort of title. Instead, just for a little bit of pride to close out the campaign, Nebraska gets on the road to face the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Dan, that's kind of the matchup that we thought Nebraska would be playing for this crossover game to conclude the season. Yep, and they get that Friday time slot, and uh, I don't think too many Nebraska fans are uh, necessarily unhappy with that. Um, I, I think some people are ready for this season to be done uh, with as much energy as it feels like uh, the fan base, at least with talking about the fan base specifically has put into this, whether that was fighting the Big Ten on Twitter and, and of course, having to sit and watch some of these dud performances, which we saw on on Saturday. I don't think people are too upset that the season ends a day early for Nebraska. So not only Friday, Nebraska plays at three o'clock on BTN. Um, in a way, though, Brett, that's going to make it seem like it's going to be a little bowl game-ish, right? That you get a a weekday afternoon game. And quite frankly, the bowl season's not too far around. Everybody's eligible for a bowl game, and we don't need to uh, open up that hat and discuss that again. But it's just going to have a different feel. And I quite frankly kind of like the unique spot for Nebraska's final game of the season. Could be the uh, bad boy mowers northeast New Brunswick Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's... In a season of strange weirdness, it's just fitting that that's how it ends on what was supposed to be their opening opponent in the original revision of the COVID season football schedule that they'll now end at Rutgers, uh, who has, uh, you know, they've had some moments this season. So I have a feeling they're actually probably looking forward to this. Absolutely. Rutgers is three and five, and this is a first-year coaching staff. Greg Schiano back with the Scarlet Knights. And, Dan, I know uh, the night that they played Michigan and went into overtime, Noah Vedral played uh, insanely good that game, perhaps the best game of his college football career. That was a night that you and I were both in the 10-11 sports office socially distanced. But we were watching that game and really just locked in and, quite frankly, impressed the fact that that did not look like your traditional Rutgers football team. Well, it, you know, the way the mind works is we just hear Rutgers and we automatically think what we all think Rutgers is or has been. And that's not been the case this year. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Chiano's team really plays hard and uh, three wins. And right now that's more than Nebraska. And, you know, I would have to peg right now Rutgers as the favorite, um, not just because they're playing at home, but probably because. Uh, they're playing with more confidence, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how much Nebraska can bounce back from this. We've already heard that one senior, uh, Brendan Hymas, who's opted for the NFL draft, no surprise there, won't be playing against Rutgers. And um, what what do some other seniors do? 
you you just feel like if, if this year has been exhausting for the fans, then you wonder what it's been like for some of these seniors. I, I'm thinking of guys like Ben Stilley, Jojo Doman, DiCaprio Brutal, who have played for years, ha- have not had much success. And, and then, you know, in this final year of their career, or what could be their final year, it's, it's been anything but what they had hoped for. Yeah, you know, Nebraska has played their games without a bye. However, they did get the, the week off because Wisconsin, that game got canceled due to the COVID-19 cases for the Badgers. There's some been there's been some mental toll on this season for the Huskers, but I think the greater story is the emotional and mental toll going all the way back to August and even before then, when they didn't know if a season would happen. And the way that the Big Ten reinstated the season and then pulled the plug and then brought it back. I mean, that's a roller coaster in and of itself. And then once you get to the actual football, the games begin in October and the season plays out in the manner in which it did for Nebraska. And it wasn't, it wasn't exactly a fun ride. It was pretty rocky, pretty bumpy. And now they're enduring quite a bit of criticism with a two and five overall record. There there's gotta be a lot of fatigue for each one of these guys just for withstanding everything mentally over the past nine months plus. Well, the players hear what's going on. Uh, Garrett Nelson gave a really insightful answer on Monday, and he even started off his statement by saying, I don't know if I should say this, but I read the comments on Twitter. I'm human. And uh, they hear what, what's been going on, what's said about them certainly nationally, which has been going on all throughout this process of Nebraska wanting to play football. And now um, even some members of its own fan base has started to um, maybe turn the corner on what they think this coaching staff or this program and team is, is capable of, at least in the short term uh, throughout the rest of this year, one more game and, and next year as well. Um, there's just some conversations that I, I did not think would even be possible in year three uh, of the Scott Frost era, but here we are. I, I thought the the words like culture, buy-in, want to, those phrases that we've heard for years and years around the Nebraska football program, I thought those would be late the rest. And, and then you, you talk X's and O's, you know, running the football when it's a windy, snowy, cold day at Memorial Stadium uh, and Diedrich Mills gets 12 carries. Oh, there, there's a lot to digest with that game. I, you know, a couple of days has passed, and I, I still don't know if my mind is completely wrapped around that loss to the Gophers. Before we get too deep into dissecting the Minnesota game, Dan, your, your point of the discussion at the tail end of year three, it, it really uh, – below the layer of it is just a conversation that's happening within the fan base. There's some apathy that's set in. There's some disinterest that's set in. Um, and I understand it. Some fans are choosing not to watch Nebraska football because it hurts to watch Nebraska football. The level of disappointment that has occurred a little too frequently for some of these fans, and they, like you, Dan, they thought that it would be more about the football at this point in the Scott Frost era, 30 games in yet following Monday's news conference, Dan, you were, you were listening to it. I, I, we were participating in it. One of the common themes that we heard from Scott Frost and the players, they were about 
progress and how can they substantiate progress happening within the program? And these players are having to defend that this is moving in the positive direction. Quite frankly, some of these words are falling on deaf ears because Scott Frost right now has 10 wins at Nebraska and 20 losses. And so sometimes the things that are being spoken are ringing hollow. However, the progress in which the coach and the players are trying to articulate to the fan base is that they are close. Look at the amount of close losses Nebraska has over the past three years. They have, I believe, 11 wins by eight or 11 losses, excuse me, by eight points or fewer. So they were right in there. They take these teams down to the wire. They just can't get over the hump. What's the reason? Well, there's youth. Guess what happened this year? A lot of young guys got to play. And then two buzzwords that continue to be uh, spoken in these news conferences and interviews that we are participating in, Dan, culture and also practice habits. And I know a lot of people might shudder when they hear the word practice. Because following the Minnesota game, Scott Frost said that it was perhaps the best offensive week of practice he's had at the University of Nebraska. Why that didn't translate over to the performance on Saturday, that's the million-dollar question, and no one seems to have uh, a great resounding answer to that. So that's where you can have all the great practices in the world, but if you don't perform when it matters the most, fans are going to have a little bit of a disconnect with the team. And it's really, really crazy that if you go back to the beginning of 2020, fans wanted to see football. They're getting to see football. And now at the end of it, they don't want to see football. Quite frankly, there's a lot of people that won't be watching the game on Friday because it's a 2-4 and four team or 2-5 and five team against a 3-5 three, three and five team. And like you said, Dan, some of the players, they may just want the season to be done. I think some fans probably feel the same way as well. Well, you're absolutely right. And... Um... It's just been a long, long road uh, for this program. And every time you feel like you hit um, rock bottom, and I'm not calling Saturday rock bottom for this program, but the, the hits just keep on coming. And, uh, you know, many compared that loss to Minnesota similar to Illinois. And Minnesota really has a good program right now. And you have to tip your cap to PJ Pleck um, because his team chose to play that, that game. They probably could have opted out if they without wanted Without 33 to. players. They chose, right. Yeah. They chose to play without more than uh, 30 players. And um, simply they outcoached Nebraska. They had a game plan where they were going to bleed the clock. And Scott Frost even referenced that, that Nebraska could never get into a rhythm offensively. And that's what happens when you play in the Big Ten is it's a run first league, especially in the Big Ten West. When you talk about Wisconsin, Iowa and Minnesota and credit to the Gophers for having a great game plan. And, and all they needed to do was sit back and watch Nebraska mess up. And that's what happened. Brett, I want to get your comments on this here in a second. But before we before we pass the baton over to you here, one, I think one of the things that the Coach Frost approval rating, um, without question, it has declined across Nebraska and across the fan base. And the situation that they're currently in right now, and this is what I think a lot of fans are wrestling with, is year one, still setting the culture, right? He was a new coach, first-year coach, and we, we know that Scott Frost is still a, a young coach when it comes to college football. Year two, still flipping the roster a little bit. So there's always been an element of, like, what are you clinging to? What is giving you some hope that – 
it's going to turn and that there are better days on the horizon. And right now, I feel like some of the things that the fans were drawn to as hopeful items, they're gone. And they're having a hard time identifying what to draw to. Am I wrong, Brett? No, I think you're right. And you can see how it even changed and, and that evolved during the season. After the first game, a lot of folks were like, hey, you could see progress on the field. You know, yes, the score was what it was, but we could take some good things out of that. I don't think looking back now, you can. I think now we have a much more fair grade of that game, which ultimately was a loss in which they were manhandled once again. You know, people won, wanted – and he was the absolute home run hire. I mean, there's no way – I don't think I would ever call that a bad hire. It just hasn't worked to this point for him. And I think there's only so much line. Even the most diehard faithful are going to give – a native Nebraskan, you know, that led him to a national championship when it just looks the same over and over and over. And it sounds the same over and over and over. And I don't think Scott has done a good job of getting out of his own way and trying to get the message out. He's kind of been his own worst enemy. A lot of times, a lot of talk about the past, a lot of talk about what players would do this, that, and the other, but you can only say it so many times, you know? So yeah, I would say that the tide on, on, on Scott is definitely, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's against him, but it has turned some to be sure. And I will say this about Scott Frost, you know, he does continue to beat the positive drum. And so, you know, there have been moments in which we've seen him during a post-game game news conference where he's very frustrated and dejected, but he has never wavered from the fact that he does feel like better days are ahead. And he does feel like they're going to start catching some breaks somewhere down the line. The problem is, while he believes that and his players seem to believe that as well, the fan base over the course of time has lost belief in those words, yet they remain hopeful. The hope, though, as we mentioned, has dwindled just a little bit. And part of this is because Scott Frost is still a young coach, and there have been many people that have questioned some of his play calling this year. I think in year one and two, you're still trying to figure out his offense. You're still trying to figure out how he wants to use his personnel. And I think he's still trying to figure those things out as well. But now in year three, now that you have a better grasp on situationally, what does Nebraska like to do with people in certain spots? What do they like to do? Now it's really about X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And from a Scott Frost perspective and a fan analysis of his job performance as a head football coach, not just a culture uh, establisher within the walls, just from what do you do on first and 10? What do you do on the first play of the game? Bubble screen. Fans didn't like that, right? Um, and, and also, when you have the wind coming at you late in the third quarter, do you run the quarter out, get the wind, and change your approach? No, he wanted to continue to just play the quarter out, throw the ball, and that backfired on them. And I think that there are a, a lot of different things about Scott Frost as a play caller that some of the fans, uh, they're, they're, they're very, very skeptical of. And here's a stat that I think some people would uh, fall on to maybe substantiate their claim or defend their criticism of Scott Frost. In the second half this season, Nebraska has scored 40 total points. Over seven games, Nebraska has scored 40 points in the second half. And the second half is so important, guys, because that's where you come out of the locker room. You're able to revisit what your game plan was. 
What is working? What's not working? Which hand is hot? Who do we want to go with? Who do we need to get involved? What's the what's the soft spot defensively that we want to attack? There are so many things that can happen in those 20 minutes in the locker room from a coaching perspective, and it usually plays out in the second half. Well, right now, the second half for Nebraska, it's been really, really rough, and they've lost some games solely on the performance of the team coming out of the locker room. This offense, a Scott Frost offense, is so dependent on playmakers making big plays and a quarterback that can not only run the ball, but that can spin it and think quickly and process information very quickly and uh, know which routes to hit. And we saw multiple times on Saturday that wideouts receivers were open. Um, it was just the inability to find them. And when you did, when Adrian Martinez did, they were not on target. And the same goes for Luke McCaffrey. Um so you, you hear how close this team is and we've seen them get better on special teams in the kicking game and punting game. Uh, I, I think the defense has really improved um, uh, throughout the season. And this defense is certainly playing at a level where if the offense was humming at what it should be, then Nebraska would win a majority of these games. But the offense just it cannot get clicking, uh, whether it's running backs that aren't healthy, wide receivers that aren't healthy. Uh, you don't know what wide receivers are playing in the game. Wandale moves from running back to receiver and back and forth. Luke McCaffrey, we thought we'd see him at other positions. Uh, they, they tell us up and down that he's a quarterback. Uh, we saw him play quarterback in a couple games. Uh, I think some fans are curious to see what would happen if you moved him full-time to um, kind of a utility guy. Um, and, and then there's Adrian Martinez and he did play well against Iowa and Purdue. I credit him for bouncing back after what he called being demoted, but uh, maybe he's still bothered by that shoulder injury. Frost said on Monday that, he, he sat out one practice, uh, Adrian did, and um, it, it, the offense just depends so much on that quarterback position, and Scott knows it. He's very loyal to Adrian. He's very loyal to Luke, and, and uh, he, he had high praise for Logan Smothers, too. It's just going to be interesting to see how they handle that position going forward and going into next year, uh, because I think we know what we're going to get with Martinez. We know what we're going to get with McCaffrey. And, um, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves at this point. And sorry to tell you, Dan, Mackenzie Milton is not going to be the answer. I know there were some fans when he entered the transfer portal. Oh, boy. Like, can he reunite with Scott Frost? The answer is no. He's going to go to Florida State. That's not. It, am I, you know, it, it's such an important position in football. You, you hear that all the time. But especially in this in this offense, too, where – you know, the defense is out there quite a bit against run-heavy teams, and uh, the offense takes over, throws three incompletions. That drive is 41 seconds, and the punt team's back out, and the defense is uh, going trots back out on the field. Um, it's just a recipe for disaster in this league. Quick stat as we pivot over to Brett. You talk about the importance of the offense. 
Well, it needs to produce because this defense is not playing bad. In three of, five of Nebraska's five losses, they've held teams in the 20s. And you got to believe with the quote-unquote Scott Frost offense, which should average more than 30 points, I think that if you asked him the magic number, I'm pretty sure it's higher than 30. So that tells you that those are three swing games. Uh, that's Northwestern, Iowa, and uh, Minnesota would be the three games that maybe they could have flipped the result on them. And in fact, when Nebraska scores 35 points, under Scott Frost, they're undefeated. I don't know that Scott Frost has ever lost a game as a head coach when his offense scores 35 points. The thing I think that's probably yeah, most frustrating is you can see on a, several of those plays, the offense works the way it was supposed to, but Adrian just overthrew the guys. And if you're having shoulder troubles, I would think he would be underthrowing them. So I think there's a touch problem there. There's definitely an accuracy problem because they're not taking advantage of the opportunity to make chunk plays when they're presented, you know, when they do everything right and they can't get that last bit to fit, which is ultimately that ball to the receiver and it's just letting them down. Well, I, you, you know, Frost and Lubick don't sit there and draw up plays and, and say, well, this might work. They think every play is going to work. And when it's executed, uh, it, it should work. Um, but the problem is, and, and this is where kind of coaching comes in, is if, if you know these plays aren't working, if you know Adrian, say he was bothered by his shoulder, I don't know that he, that he was, um, but it, it's a windy day, it's a cold day, <laughs> I mean, it's Big Ten football in December, and Diedrich Mills uh, had been nicked up a little bit, but he was ready to go, and you could tell by that first run that he was just like, just give me the ball. And, and as much as they move Wandale into that running back role and he's ready to go at running back at any time, um, why didn't you run the ball more? Because they like to pass the ball. Even look what happened when they brought in Luke McCaffrey, Dan, for two plays. Now, granted, Scott Frost said that that first play, the call was already in, and then they, he just happened to look up and there was a new quarterback because Adrian was getting his non-throwing hand looked at at the time. Uh, but they had Luke throw it. And two, I don't. I think he got maybe three snaps, and two of the three uh, were passing plays. And I think that that's just something that uh, Nebraska. That that's what that offense. That's what Scott Frost believes in. That's what he wants to do. Um, and yeah, you do raise a good question. You know, Minnesota was dead last against the run. Diedrich Mills is back. He's effective. It's a cold day, and that game was so interesting that it played out in the manner in which it did because beforehand you were there Dan all bundled up it was a chilly day it was a breezy day and you thought man this is going to be a two and a half hour football game because both teams are just going to run it they're going to milk the clock this is old school big 10 it's smash mouth football and Nebraska's first play they throw a a, a sideways bubble screen and that's like completely opposite what you were thinking five minutes prior to you're like all right, let's line up an I formation, hand it off, and go off tackle. That's what the conditions and the elements set up, not to mention the two teams playing. You would have presumed that that game would have had an identity of being a smash-mouth game, but Nebraska um, didn't take that approach at all. They tried to basically stay to the offense in which they know and love, and for Scott Frost, it was effective at uh, Central Florida at Nebraska, it has been wildly inconsistent. That's the buzzword that he keeps using is they just got to find better consistency on offense. Cam Jurgens, we, we've got to say, he played a whale of a game against Minnesota. Good job blocking, good job tackling. And on Adrian Martinez's touchdown run, he just pancaked the defensive lineman from Minnesota. And Austin Allen, too. 
um, both of those guys have just, um, well, Cam is, is more so the last couple of weeks now that he's hopefully knock on wood, got the snapping issues resolved. I mean, he's always been a great blocker. Um, it's just been the snaps that have been killing him, but Austin Allen has just improved so much as a pass catcher uh, and, and as a blocker. And, you know, when you, when we talk about progress, it's just like some individuals you can look at and really say, man, he has gotten so much better. Casey Rogers comes to mind for me, Ben Stilley. Uh, I thought, you know, Ben was a, a decent player in recent years, but he's really stepped up into a great, or a, a great player for Nebraska and a solid big 10 lineman. Um, and uh Dan, just, haven't, ask you a question. just haven't seen enough of them. You are completely right on those three accounts. The three players you mentioned that have shown really good progress and improvement this year. Can they, can either of those three guys win you a game? No, no, that's, but I think that's the issue. They need to see greater progression and improvement at the quarterback spot, at the running back spot and the wide receiver spot. And those three spots have really underproduced this year. And I think if you're really trying to figure out why in the world is Nebraska two and five, that's where I go first and foremost. It's, you know, they've had issues at quarterback. The leading receiver on the team, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. It's it's crazy how how it tips towards Wandale. After Wandale, it is a tremendous drop-off. It's Austin Allen who's in second and he's a far second. And then even after Allen, it goes down even more. It's, it's crazy how um, just the lack of passing game that Nebraska has right now. And, and Wandale has just uh, kind of bailed out this offense so much. So here we go. Wandale Robinson has 45 catches for 382. still no touchdowns for Wandale. Uh, Austin, Austin Allen has 16 catches. So your leading receiver has 45. Your next is 16. Xavier Betts has 12 catches over and six games played. Levi Falk, 12 catches, and then everybody else is in single digits. In a Scott Frost offense, you're going to want to see guys, guys plural, in the 20s, if not the 30s. That's a balanced offensive approach. And then, you know, we haven't even unwrapped the running back situation outside of some comments you made, uh, Dan, about Diedrich Mills. And they've had some injuries they've had to battle at the IVAC spot. And then beyond Diedrich, you can slide Wandale over. And then beyond that, you've got Ramir Johnson, Marvin Scott, the third, Ronald Tompkins, young, young, young. And as we were talking about the receiving position, Wandell, Austin Allen, after that, it is young, young, young. That all validates Scott Frost's one of his main themes with this year is we are, we just have so much youth on the field and not that that's an excuse, but sometimes the results are a byproduct of who you are playing in Nebraska. For whatever reason, they are playing a lot of young guys, and it could set them up for success down the line, circling all the way back to the first couple of minutes of this edition of the podcast. Patience is really getting tested. It is, and I appreciate the players um, really um, echoing what Scott Frost had to say with you know, uh, we, we hear you fan base, we hear you national media and local media at that. Um, but we really believe in what's working, um, inside the walls at Memorial stadium. And, and they talk about the practices and how they are, uh, so much better. And it, 
Nebraska is, I, they just have players that are better, but the results haven't showed. And Kevin, you just, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about quarterback, running back and wide receiver. Um, those positions this year have not been very good. And, and you look at Adrian's numbers against Iowa and, and Purdue, he's hitting at, you know, 85, 90% from a completion stat, uh, ratio. And that's incredible. But it, it's the, the hidden yardage, the incompletions or the throws that are still caught, but Wandale's falling down or Austin Allen is making a great grab on the sideline. That counts as a completion, but that's oftentimes just a wide receiver making a play. And if the ball was on target, it could have been a bigger play, a, a touchdown or, or certainly more yardage. Dan, in the same conversation, you could say of the completions, there are not many incompletions from Adrian Martinez, specifically in the Minnesota game in the first half. But the ones that were missed, I think at one point he had three incompletions. This was late second quarter, Dan. Two of the three would have gone for touchdowns. Like he, the, the throws he missed were, were big ones. Um, uh, so that's another thing that continues to set Nebraska back. Again, the Huskers wrap up the 2020 season against Rutgers on Friday, 3 o'clock game. That will be broadcast on BTN. 10-11 will continue to lead you up to that game. Uh, Noah Vedral, the quarterback for the Scarlet Knights, what a year he's had. It's going to be cool to see Noah, but there is some uncertainty about his status. I don't know if you guys saw it. He suffered an ankle injury last week, uh, kind of a dirty play where uh, a defender twisted his ankle when he was at the bottom of the pile. Uh, man, I sure hope that Noah is able to play. Going all the way back to his time at Bishop Newman High School in Wahoo, I just love watching him play the game of football. He plays with a lot of passion. Uh, he's a gutsy guy, isn't afraid of contact, and he's just a really good kid too. So I hope for his sake and for Nebraska's sake that uh, that is indeed the matchup, Nebraska versus Noah Vedral. We've talked uh, about Noah several times on this podcast. He's just such a, a great, great person, and, and Frost was asked about him um, on Monday, and Scott, I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, Vedro followed him down to UCF then came back to Lincoln with him when Frost took over here at Nebraska and, and just because of playing time uh, had to transfer into Rutgers. Um, I, I would love to see him play. And Austin Allen even said it that they text every week. They're some really, really good friends from their time playing basketball. Uh, obviously Noah from Wahoo and uh, Austin from Aurora. That was probably the best two uh, basketball players on the football team when Noah was here. Remember, Noah even spent that a uh, couple of days with the Husker basketball team when they were shorthanded at the Big Ten tournament last year. On the season, Noah Vedra, he's been the starter when healthy. He's completed 135 passes for 1,257 yards. He's got nine throwing touchdowns. He has one rushing touchdown. He is a uh, graduate of Bishop Newman High School, somebody that we have followed his career in high school and now collegially, he is a senior. One point that I brought up in my interview with uh, when we talked to Scott Frost today, Dan, is you know Noah knows that offense inside and out. He knows Frost's tendencies. And when he was not the starting quarterback at Nebraska, he was on the sideline signaling the plays in. And I asked Coach Frost, what will you do about that? And it sounds like Nebraska is going to have to change their calls and the way in which they get the play call into the quarterback it's going to be different, and that's a unique challenge. And I'm sure that, you know, just finding out 
a day ago from when we record this podcast. You know, they found out on Sunday that Rutgers is the opponent. So they've even lost some preparation for how they would maybe adjust the procedure to get the plays in um, just solely because Noah Vedral is going to going to know what they do. He's also going to be telling all of his teammates, oh, they're running off right tackle. I've seen that before. I know what's coming. So Nebraska's got to be smart and switch things up. Yeah, this game is is going to be interesting. Uh, Nebraska can certainly win, but Rutgers um, probably gets the um, tip of the cap as as far as being a favorite in my mind. I don't think the the fan base can um, get its hopes up even more or get the uh, the attitude of the fan base even more up at this point. I think we've reached the ceiling going into the off season, but it can drop more if that makes sense. I feel like a a loss to Rutgers or even a blowout loss, anything is on the table at this point. And if they go up there and get blown out, it's going to be, it it won't be good as far as uh, attitude across the state. Very long off season. That's what it will be a very long off season, which is already going to be long enough as it is. I've always said uh, predicting bowl games is not the hardest thing to do because you just go off of what are teams playing for. And so this is not a bowl game, but you have to question for Nebraska. What are they playing for? What is Rutgers playing for? Rutgers has a chance to finish their first season under Greg Shiano with four, a four and five record. Uh, so I think that maybe there's perhaps a little bit more at stake for the Scarlet Knights. Brett, I know you're going to be watching on Friday. How guarded will your heart be for this game as we wrap up here on the In Report podcast? Well, I will be judging a speech tournament at 4 o'clock, so uh, I won't be to see all of it, but I'm inured to it. I'm used to it. now. It's just it's sad. You know, I, I watch because I, that's what I do. I watch Nebraska football. It is what it is. 2020 has been the weirdest, wildest, wackiest in so many, so many ways. Uh, and all, of all of those, wonderful was not really one of them. So uh, the W's in there. So it'll be what it'll be. It's been a numbing experience for many Husker fans, and it'll come to a close here on Friday as Nebraska travels to Piscataway to play the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and first-year head coach Greg Schiano there. Nebraska looking to finish on a positive note on an adventurous 2020 season. Game time, 3 o'clock Central Time. It'll be broadcast on BTN. 10-11 will continue to lead you up to kickoff for that game with coverage and reports throughout the week. We'll get you geared up for the Huskers season finale with Brett Baker and Dan Corey. I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening to the End Report Podcast. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather app. Download the 1011 Now Weather app for free today.